Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. This series that we are doing today and continuing in is called Jesus at the Center. This morning, I want us to hear what I believe is very divinely and straight from the throne of God to us right now. And as we begin to hear the words of the Lord today, I want those words by faith in Jesus' name, they'll be written upon your hearts and in your minds by the Holy Spirit. That we might hear and we might know and we might understand. How many of you understand today that God has intended that everything, and I mean everything you and I and all we do, is supposed to point toward the center, which is Jesus. Jesus is meant to be the center of everything. And let me just say this, this is not hyperbole, but a reality. As we read out of Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, I want to continue to read in verse 18 this morning where it says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And the keys of death, hell, and the keys of hell and of death. So the Bible tells us we know that Jesus, that he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the one who had the power over them, over humanity. And Jesus has those keys. And I believe today God wants to unlock some men and women. Maybe some of your family members, maybe some friends and co-workers that are not here with you today as you are honoring and worshiping and obeying the word of God, being here, and maybe they're not with you today. But today, I believe that if we'll get an understanding and a revelation by the word and the spirit of God, because those both work together, you're not going to separate the word and the spirit. You need them both. They're both working together. They don't, they're dependent on one another. Are you hearing me right now? And these things, when it's written on our heart, and we have an understanding of it, that I believe that there's going to be people in your life that is going to be freed. Going to be freed. Maybe some of you in here today, there's going to be a greater freedom in your own personal life after this morning. Amen. Amen. Now, this book that I'm reading, the book of Revelation, out of the 66 books of the Bible, we find that this was written to the church. The author of this book is Jesus. We know that he's the author. We know the God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the author of all of them. But in this one book, as John penned, the words of Jesus as he was talking. John was the scribe and Jesus was the author. And Jesus is speaking to what we know as the seven churches. And one of the things about these seven churches is mentioned that They are the lampstand. 
it reveals to us that within the seven churches, these seven churches are representing of the lampstand. Anybody know what the lampstand is? We call it the menorah. Uh, we, there, in, in the Old Testament, in the Jewish understanding, but uh, in, in most of the uh, understanding throughout the scriptures related to the golden lampstand. And I think we have a picture of this today, and hopefully it'll come out well enough that you can see this, because I wanted to point out something to you. If you notice something about the one in the middle, now this is the original lampstand, and if you look at the way, and it's a golden, I know that's not a you know, perfect rendition, but it's actually hard to find the actual one that was mentioned and taught how to make it in the Bible, but this is, the, this is as close as we can find. The one right in the middle, it has like a, uh, the, the little bowl on it and has like a, a point to the bowl uh, with, where the oil is. And, and then the, the, the candle goes, then, the, then it just lights the, uh, within it. In it uh, and the, the little wick is within the oil and the, it's pointing straight ahead. Okay. Does that make sense? It's pointing like this. If you notice the ones on your left... They're all off-center, aren't they? You notice that? Which way are they pointing? Towards the middle, right? Look at the one on your right. Same thing. Each one is pointing towards what? The center. You know, it's very important today that everything points towards the center. Jesus is the head of his church. And the church is supposed to be pointing towards the center towards Jesus. And let me just say this. If Jesus is your Lord today, your life, your marriage, your friendships, your education, your business, your work, your conversations, your leisure time, your entertainment, everything you do, we're supposed to do all unto the glory of God. That means there's going to be things in our life we don't do just because, not because, and let me just say this, because we're doing things to glorify God. Now we're not, we're not saying that we're necessarily not doing them. Let me, just, let me help you with what I just mean by that. When we do everything to glorify God, there's going to be things we don't do. So we don't even have to consider it. Are you with me? Whenever you begin to consider some things that you might say, well, I'm going to allow this. Is it pointing towards Jesus in the center? Why is this so important? Well, if you read the understanding of the seven churches... There were seven churches, five of them were corrected, and there was Jesus cast a judgment, so to speak, upon these churches. Two of them, Myrna and Philadelphia, were exonerated and they were exhorted. They were uh, praised by the Lord, even though he said, look, there's some things you, could, you can you know, kind of shore up in some areas. I, I love that. I, you know, uh, I think it's important. How many believe you can always do better somewhere in life, huh? Yeah, I do. And I think Jesus being the head of his church, he has the right to tell us, hey, there's some things I think we can do better. Don't you? And it's not a condemnation, uh, but I, I thank God for the Holy Spirit, which does convict. Amen? Because without conviction, then we're kind of left to our own devices. And, and now we're, we're just kind of walking around aimlessly like we can, you know, like we're smart enough to figure it all out on our own and we can do what we please the way we feel like it because that's how I feel about it. Now, we might live like that, but it's not the best way to live. Are you hearing me right now? We need the Holy Spirit in our life, which directs us and leads us and guides us in the ways that we should go. 
And the Bible tells us that his word is what? A lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. The word of God will always point to Jesus being the center of our life and all that we do and everything that encompasses our life and our thoughts, our actions, our conversations, and the things that we pursue after should always be pointing that direction because that's the way the Holy Spirit and the word of God will take us. And the thing about the churches, one of the things that I find out of these is when the church has made something other than Jesus at the center of what it does. Look in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. A lot of us know about this church, but I want to show you something. We're talking about Jesus at the center. Revelation 3, 15. Jesus says, I know your works, but you're neither hot or cold, or cold or hot. He says, I, I would that you were cold or hot. You know, I, I've done a, a, a teach and, and yearly on the subject. Keep that up there on the screen, if you will. But I, I teach yearly on the subject of the end times. A lot of people like to hear that, and they like to come to that. And we're going to be doing that here shortly in the evening times. And it's important. Uh, why? Because... If you notice something here, just in this scripture alone, where Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold, you want to know why? He'd rather you be cold or hot, but not in the middle, because in the middle, it's not really safe. But let me just say this. Are you with me? Why does he, why does he want us cold or hot? Because when you're cold and you're, you're part of the body in the, house of Christ, in the house of God, nobody can actually tell where you are. Nobody, when you're, when you're, or let me just say this, when you're neither one of those, when you're lukewarm, nobody knows you really. Nobody actually knows where you stand and where you are when it comes to God in your life and, and relationship. You either need to be cold or hot. Amen. And because lukewarm is not a good place and it's not a place of revelation and a place of understanding and growth and, and all the great things that God can do in our lives. And it's really just a decision that we need to make. I said, it's a decision we need to make. Say, God, I'm going to be on fire for you. You say, well, I might stand out a little bit. You probably will in a, in a dark world because you are a light. Amen? Come on, we need to be a light. What other light is out there in the world? We can't let... Praise the Lord, I'll, I'll stop that. Verse 16, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. You know, you can't ever protect that place, really. You say, well, you know, I'm going to keep Jesus out of this and I'm going to protect my goods and my stuff. Well, praise the Lord. Man, well, all right. He says, knowest not that they are wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked? Man, the way God sees us and the way we see ourselves sometimes. The way Jesus sees us and the way we see ourselves sometimes. Are you hearing me? That's, that's, that's a big contrast there, I think. Verse 18 says, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And, appoint, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Man, you know, years ago when the Holy Ghost sent me and my wife here, 
One of the things that he spoke to me prior to coming, because I said, God, I'll do it. I'll go. We'll do it. We'll obey you. We'll, we'll follow you. I don't know why. And he gave me the scripture that you see outside on that wall, John 8, 12. Uh, John 10, 12, sorry. But anyhow, the scripture tells us, and the Bible tells us, and you don't need to put that up there, but one of the key factors of this, he says, he that followeth me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And I've done a, a tremendous study on this subject and on this understanding. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And I'm not teaching on this today. But one of the things that I found in there, that God's still anointing men and women, he still anoints clay today to cause us to see clearly what the will of God is and what the grace of God is and what the revelation of the word and the spirit of God is. God wants to anoint your eyes in the spirit that you might see clearly what he has for you. But if your eyes are matted over with the world's ways and your own mind and your own ideas instead of letting the word of God come in and change you and write upon your heart and your mind the things that God has in store for you, what he has for you and who you are in him and who he is to you. We often give up a lot more than what God has for us by not allowing the word of God and the Spirit of God to be in that place in our life. So the Bible says here, Jesus said, verse 19, he says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. You know, we use that scripture a lot about the lost, but that wasn't written to the lost. That was written to the church. Do I need to say that again? Jesus is speaking not to the lost sinner without him, so to speak. Come on, he's writing this and he's speaking this to the church. Very unique how our concepts might not be the same as his. You know, today, I pray that every person in this house, that you will open that door. Let him come in. If you notice, he's knocking. Will you open the door? He won't open that door for you. He won't bust that open. He's not going to do it. That's not who he is. But when you open that door, he's going to step in. And when he does, the Bible says where the presence of the Lord is, there is fullness of joy, there is liberty, there is life. Come on, there is so much goodness. There's the blessing of God. I mean, so many things can begin to take place in your life as you begin to open the door and sup with him and follow after him. Jesus wants to be the center, but if the door is not open or only cracked open every once in a while, and let me just tell you, for some of us, you need to get out of the doorway. The door might be open, but you're standing in the doorway and you're saying, yeah, you come in when I let you come in and I keep you out when I want you out. Some of you got to get out of the doorway. That's lukewarmness there. 
Because we dictate where Jesus will stand. We need to let Jesus be the center. Jesus said in verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. You know, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ today, we call the church, which is the ecclesia or the kahal, which is an understanding of those who've been called out of the world, who has received him as Lord. And now we are members of his body in particular. And that as we allow him to be our king and our Lord and reign and rule in our lives. You know, this is a place in which we say, Jesus, I don't want to do anything or live my life without you. I need you. It's not dictated by what others have received or haven't received. It's not dictated by what the world and society says to us. It's not dictated to us by what grandma's religion was. Thank God for grandma and her religion. Amen. Are you with me? It's not dictated by bad things that's happened to us in the body of Christ. It's not dictated by us by the good things that's even happened to us in the body of Christ. It's dictated every day by is Jesus the center of our life today. You know, we see and hear Jesus saying in this scripture, saying his love is here. Even though you see actions of him saying, listen, if you're in this condition, he says, he uses an analogy of spewing people out of his mouth. Jesus says, I'm standing outside. He says that the door's closed for me to be the center. You know, there's, there's, there's places, you know, I, I, I don't even like saying this, but across the globe today. People are meeting together with Jesus outside the door. How do you know this? If the word of God, which, which the Lord Jesus, remember, the word was made flesh. And, and, and we, we need an understanding of, of the importance of the living Christ and the very spirit of Christ and his word to, that he's given to all of us that that is so important. Why? So we don't make it up as we go. There's no private interpretation. That means we can't say, well, here's how I want to see it and try to, you know, include it some way without allowing the word of God to be the revelation and the standard in which we can all relate to between our relationship with him and how that's supposed to look and how our relationship is with one another and the relation in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world today. Because God gave us the book because he wrote it, because he knew we needed it. If not, we'd be making it up how we feel. Well, this is how I'm discerning this. And well, well, praise God. But does the discernment of the Lord also relate to the word of God? The Bible says those who are exercised by doing the word of God, they begin to deserve what is right and what's wrong, what's truth and a lie. Praise ye the Lord. Because the word of God is a discerner. The Bible says, of the thought and the intent of our heart. Isn't that something? It's quick and powerful. And we can take lesser weight to it than we oftentimes give it. 
So we need to have an understanding that we can't separate God from his word. We can't separate Jesus from the church. Oh, I, I love Jesus, but I just don't like going to church. I don't think that's something I have to do. You don't have to be in relationship with Jesus. You're right. You say, wait a minute, I thought this was about uh, how can the church and Jesus be? Well, they're one. Let me ask you a question. How many believe the understanding of Jesus is the groom and his church are the bride? How many believe that? Do you? Let me just help you with this. God's intention for family and for the, from the very beginning when it talked about a husband and a wife, they're not two separate entities that's abiding under the same roof just for uh, you know, social benefit and everything else. No, we're called to be one flesh. We're called to be one in agreement. The Bible says when, and he's talking about a husband and wife, and they come in agreement, nothing will be impossible. So we have to often lay aside our own personal things and begin to grow up a little bit and begin to take on board what the other one is saying. Come on. See, God's so smart. How many believe God's smart? I think he's so smart. He is so smart. He's smarter than all of us. Do you actually believe that? If we believe that, we need to learn some things so we can actually abide in the right way so that the unity of the spirit where Jesus is Lord over all and that every gift and everything that is working within the body of Christ and in your family, and there's a lot that can be related to this. In your business and everything, where Jesus is the center of it all. Jesus has to be the center. Center in how we communicate, how we're listening. Oh, I don't like it. Oh, I don't like doing this. Are you with me, Gary? We're trying. You got to overcome yourself. Sometimes we got to get over our own pride and narcissistic attitudes that keep people at bay. Um, all right, we'll praise the Lord. Maybe I'll stop on that. But Jesus says, if you hear my voice and open the door, Jesus wants to be, he wants to be right in the middle of everything. Listen, when he is there, guys, what is the potential Wow. I want us to look quickly at Matthew chapter 16, just real quick. You know, the world wants you to come in line with their way of thinking. And the Bible says even to the point one day we'll, that they will demand you to take. You know, we know the book of Revelation and other things talk about the mark of the beast and other things. I'm not teaching on the end times right now, but I'm just sharing something about Jesus being the sinner. Is that at some point, they're going to make it so whatever you buy, sell, how you move around and everything that you do has to be under the construct of the way that they want the world to conform. And let me just say this. Jesus said at the root of that is the love of money. Now, money isn't evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil within humanity today. Even within, man, I could go on and on about this. I'll teach that on another time. But People who will say you being a free moral agent of determining what is right and what is wrong will become a threat to the idea of humanity. And Jesus often put money at the heart of it all. Look in Matthew 16 for a moment, verse 15. 
We're talking about Jesus at the center. Matthew 16, yeah. I'm sitting there reading verse 15 out of chapter 15. Don't work. Jesus said in verse 15, he said, who do you say that I am? That's a good question for us all today. Is he outside the door or is he in the center of your life? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. I tell you, there's a blessing that comes at Revelation, guys. He said, blessed art you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And Jesus said, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You see that? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I can say, going back just for a moment here, speaking of Jesus and the body, the church in which God has planted us and connected us to is so important in our life. And we need to know where he wants us to be. And you're going to find that's going to be coming on, honestly, when, when you hear the word. Oftentimes, we think it's based upon a lot of other things, but... Without the word of God, we can be a tinkling brass and sounding cymbal because the word of God is his love towards us. Jesus was the persona of God's love manifested to the world. I could go on about this subject, but I want us to look at this today of what he goes on to say here. And he tells him, that Satan and the gates of hell, the counsels of hell, that is work, he says, will not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So everything works from here. If you notice, he said, he said what, ha what happens in the heavenlies happens first here. He said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you bind on earth here will, or loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And that's something. So there's something working between us and what happens with God's intervention in areas in our life. Then he charged the disciples and he told them, tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief, chief, chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But Jesus, verse 23, but Jesus, but Jesus, he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, a stumbling block. For thou savest not the things or the interests that you have right now are not the interests of God, but those that be of men. The things that you right now are saying to me have more interest of the, of the will of man than the will of God. You know, this is so important because there's oftentimes when you go to take a step to obey the word of God and the will of God in your life, some well-intended somebody might come up and say, yeah, but, you know, I remember hearing a story of a minister years ago who was divinely healed. I know I've... I've I've had these things myself. I'm sure many of you have too. And 
When you know what the will of God is and to do the will of God, all of a sudden somebody steps up and says, yeah, but no, you know, that, that, that's too much. That's too this, that's too whatever. I don't know what it might be in your case, but I remember this one minister. He was healed of a, a, a disease in his body and he went to school and uh, he had a, a wonderful principal and the teachers, they, they were just trying to look out for him, but they didn't realize that he had received this supernatural healing in his body based upon what he read and heard out of the word of God and the Holy Spirit touched him and he received it and he got out of his deathbed, which he was going to die. Uh, and, and he got up and he went to school and he was a young teenage boy and he goes to school and his teachers are looking at him saying, man, you need to go home. They went to the principal, began to complain because they didn't want the boy to die in their class and they feel obligated in the, in the bad thing that's going on because he looked like just warm over death, you know, and, and, and he was, he was walking this thing out. He wasn't going to die. He was going to live because God said he could live. And so he got out of that bed and went to, went to school. And so here he is. He's pressing through it. And this principal calls him in his office. And it had a two-story building. And he had to go upstairs. And it was very hard because it was a, a, a lung disease that he had. And he was uh, having a lot of difficulty getting up the stairs. And so the principal said, listen, we know it's very difficult for you to be here and very difficult for you to climb those stairs. So don't take it wrong. Nobody will think any different of you if you just go home because we understand. That sounds like it's empathetic, but honestly, that was pathetic to his walk. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Which was keeping him back from receiving. And he looked at that man and he, he had enough in him to say, I hear you. I thank you. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this thing out. I'm not leaving. And he said from that day on, every time he got to those stairs, when he started to go up those stairs, a weight would get on him. It become a stumbling block, and he had to fight through it to obey what the Word of God was doing in him. Guys, we need to understand that the word of God on the inside of you is greater than anything that's going on outside of you. And when you have received the word of God on the inside of you, the spirit of God and the word of God agree, he'll begin to work in your life to accomplish that word that he's put in your heart. But there's going to be some people that's well-intended that's going to try to throw a stumbling block over the vision and the process in which you need to get to because there's going to be some resistance to the process. And listen to me, if you'll get over that and understand right now that God is with you, he's not going to leave you and he's going to help you through it if you'll follow him you might have to face a, day, a, a giant David but he's going to be with you when you throw that stone but we need Jesus in the center thank you for listening to today if you're wanting more of these timely messages and teachings go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.